Welcome to the CT Startup Podcast, an inside perspective on the startup ecosystem in the great state of Connecticut. I'm your host, Michael Kaufman. Dave Bernard from Mirtha Kalina. Eric Francis from Fresh Farm Aquaponics. And Ojala Name with Reset. Yeah, I guess I'm from Movie Interactive. From a lot of places. <laughs> I'm from a lot of places. You're just around. Each of you got to pick one. I don't get around. Stop. <laughs> it's, it's a time to spread some rumors. Yeah. Not too many. <laughs> just a couple's okay. Just enough rumors to get to your, uh, your business calendar. Yeah. Um, so we're doing a roundtable today. We got a lot of topics to discuss. What do we want to start with? Well, I think we should start with a few announcements. The first of which is that we have a new flight night coming up. Flight night, uh, which is a chance for people to get up and pitch their ideas and get some feedback from professional judges. And uh, that's going to be held at Reset as before. Uh, Ojala, what's the email address? Yeah, uh, so website. you can go to flightnightct.org uh, to get some latest information. It's going to be in March, um, so the date should be up within the next couple of days. And uh, it's an open pitch night, so any entrepreneurs from across the state that want to come up, get a chance to pitch, take some names out of a bowl, and uh, it'll be a good night. We'll have some food and beer and have some fun. Fantastic. And the other announcement is, I think, or at least... You know, I like to expose all of the internal inside baseball struggles of this podcast uh, uh, to the let's audience. Not, let's not give them all away. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> exception of Mike's personal life, I like to expose all the inside inside baseball. Now, the uh, the issue here is, uh, you know, is, as our listeners know, uh, certainly we've we've all been very busy here. We all have day jobs. Um, we've had a little bit of trouble getting the podcast out on a consistent basis. So I think what we're going to do is try for an every other week, uh, every other week release. The podcast is not going away. It's not dying. It's, uh, there's plenty of content out there. It's just a matter of us being able to do whatever it is that we do during the day. Uh, for Mike, that might be chasing money. Uh, for Eric, it's working with uh, Fresh Farms. I don't know what Ojala does. And, uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> so... We're gonna do what we can to uh, get it out there, and and but we'll probably be moving to an every other week release. Yep. Yeah, we got to be more consistent. That's what it is. Comes down to it. Great. What's <laughs> <laughs> so funny, Mike? <sighs> it's true. It's true. We got to be more consistent. I'll own up to it. So, so for those who don't know, Mike's had an elevated heart rate for the past couple of days, a uh, potential medical issue. That's what fundraising and, does to you. And, and, and I hope my health insurers don't listen to this. <laughs> uh, well, what we're hoping is that Mike might die on the podcast so we can boost our listener rating. Yeah. So I, I just, I want to be the one to kill you, Mike, if at all possible. Dave, you're well on your way. I'm doing friend. what I can. I lawyer just said that on yep. like, <laughs> 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 I'm Do I need to draft a will before I pass? Well, or can I just do it right here? Do you have Do I have any assets? His company does. Do I have any assets? Who are you passing your company out to? Uh, my dog, Zorba. <laughs> he <laughs> really know how to run it. He's been around the business for a couple yeah. of years now. Um, that's about all I have. I hear you might do a better job. No. <laughs> oh. oh. Sorry, sorry. I forgot about the heart rate. Yeah, yeah, thank, yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. check the Apple Watch. Where are we? <laughs> Well, at least you have it. It might be now. inconsistent though, because it's Apple. So. Eight. Well, I guess this is a good time to bring up Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> Are you excited? S seven. What is so it? Pumped, right? S seven. S seven Edge too. Yeah. yeah oh man. It's pretty cool. Were you freaking out? Living life on the edge, you know. It's oh, that's so cheesy. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. Wow. <laughs> that's so cheesy. Mute her for five seconds. <laughs> at least. That's sexist. <laughs> Dropping bombs. Um, yeah, no, excited. I'm actually more of a Note fan, so waiting for that one. But oh, so they haven't. Cool. So that doesn't get revealed at the same time. No, they usually do that one in the fall. So the regular ones come out in the spring, and then the notes come out in the fall. Do you ever use the stylus? I look at that. Look what I've got out right now. Yeah, but have, do you use it? Absolutely. I just took note of. Don't talk to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so was the the big the big thing yesterday was the VR headset though, right? Or was Huge. It the... It's everywhere this year. Yeah, I mean it's been out in the market for a while now, um, but I think just developing more technology and more apps for it that's been the focus for a lot of different companies. So 
It's looking pretty cool. Yeah, the prices are still huge, though. I mean, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, that hasn't stopped any. O Oculus it, it wasn't it had to stop taking reservations because they were completely sold out. Yeah. Uh, but but theirs was what five ninety nine. No, no, cheaper than that. Three ninety nine. I think it might be one ninety nine. No, no, no chance. Okay, somebody. <laughs> no so, jala. Right no jala. <laughs> well, they, they were giving. They're giving it the away. Stylus? They're giving. <laughs> there you, there you go. <laughs> they're uh, they're giving it away for free with the new. Uh, Seven. You're talking about the Samsung headset. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, we're talking the Oculus. Oh, no, the, we're we're oh, talking right, the real right, headsets, right, not the cheap ones right, that okay. put out by Samsung. But isn't it on the <laughs> Oculus platform? I don't think so. Well, so like, there's so many variations of VR. Like, you have the low end, which is like the Google, the yeah. Google cardboard. Yeah. Uh, which you and, stick your phone into. Yeah, and uh, you do yeah. the same thing with the Samsung one. Yeah, see, yeah. Th these are, we're talking... The ones that are just built in, guys. The, the ones uh, that have, like, du yeah. dual screens, yeah. one for each eye at 1080p yeah. each or I whatever. Mean, I've, I've used the Oculus. Those things are absolutely crazy. Uh -huh. So, the, But I think the Oculus is 599 and HT, the three big ones are Oculus, HTC, HTC Vive. Yeah. Is it Vive yeah, or yeah, Vive? Yeah, Vive. And, then the, uh, and then the PlayStation uh, used to be called Project Morpheus. I think it's, yeah. now it's just, like, PS... Uh, I don't know, goggles or something, <laughs> P, you know, PSVR. Um, but uh, but I think Oculus was five ninety nine, and HTC said that there were this was actually going to be more expensive. Um, and we don't have a price on the on the PlayStation one yet. But so many people aren't going to leave their houses. When but, they buy those. but what's amazing to me is, is that it sells out at those prices. I mean, you're talking the you're talking the price of a new you know PC or. A, a, you know, a phone or whatever. It's, it's a very expensive process for something you're not using like you, every day. You still need to connect it to like a PS3 or an Xbox or how does that or, or a computer. Uh, or like computer. the, the, the it's v. Gonna be a computer. Yeah, the Vive and the uh, Oculus are both computer based, and like a lot of computers can't run them. You need a computer with very high specs. Actually, I think the only way you can get an Oculus Rift right now is the uh, Dell. I think it's, I think it's Dell announced that they were selling a computer with an Oculus Rift attached, so so that you'd know the computer would meet these specifications. Um, but I think it gets released to the public later this month, the first one. So yeah, they're still selling out. There's I mean, there's a ton of early adopters and evangelists. I think like there's so many different applications you could use it for, right? Like well, yeah, games is the start, and then games is the start, and then it moves into everything else. But, I mean, you know, even with like the Google uh, Cardboard, which I got in a, an event. I mean, New York Times is making applications for it, so you could like walk through a Syrian refugee camp and look around while someone narrates the article, and it's it's just really interesting applications, which. Whichever they want, way they want to but go with it. When they say sold out, I mean, are you talking about millions, or are you just talking about you know ten thousand? Like I mean, I guess because I mean, granted, still still ten thousand. I mean, that's a, it, it's limited production. So I don't think they hit yeah. the millions. But again, you know, hype up that it's sold out. Sounds good. I don't want to say that Our it's not. Podcast is sold out. It's definitely selling out. We sold out. And introducing our new sponsor. I mean, I don't want to say that. Viewing a refugee camp isn't important, but isn't is that along the, like the top ten things you do with VR when you first get it? Oh uh, no, absolutely well, not. Because no, the first thing is, is porn. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's without a doubt. On, the porn industry is driving VR without a doubt. I mean, that's. I mean, I watch Silicon Valley. I watch Silicon Valley, and that's what they told me. Yeah, you know, so Pied Piper. Yeah, Pied Piper. Wow. We deleted that really quickly, and the way we deleted it. <laughs> The tequila bottle on yeah. it. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, but eventually it'll be used in also medicine yep. and it, but you're right, ability to tour sports. Places. I mean, you know, sports, sports. training, yep. everything like that. You know, for for law enforcement training, doctors. Actually, army. Uh, I did hear that apparently uh, so they had done an NFL game in VR to see what it'd be like if you were watching it at home in VR. And apparently, it's really impressive. Like really? The, yeah. Like you're on the field kind of a thing, or you're I, in the game. Like it it just—it it gives you a very immersive feeling, is what they say, and just like you feel like you're at the game at the very least. I remember when I had the Dreamcast. I forget what game it was. It's NFL 2K. <laughs> wow. It's probably NFL 2K2 or something like that. But they had a feature where you can go inside the helmet and be the player. So I remember being like Eddie George playing for the like, Tennessee Titans or something. You're like in the helmet. You can't see anything. You have to like <laughs> look left, look right. Then you have to like stop, turn around, see where the player. It's terrible, but I'm I'm hoping it's come along. Exactly right. how it is in, in with the, yeah with the ball helmet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we just lost every listener under 35. So <laughs> sorry, guys. All two of you, I'm really we we apologize. Just tell them we sold out again. We we'll sold out. We'll gain a couple right. more. Yeah, but I don't know. Is like like I mentioned before, is the. Um, 
the photo of Mark Zuckerberg kind of walking down the uh, the aisle, everybody on their VR headsets, kind of watching him do it. it just, <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things where I, I really, honestly feel like in ten years, uh, it virtually is going to be something good or something really bad. Like people are just going to be stuck in it. Cause, I mean, if it's that good, people are going to be able to make their own, you know, reality. I, I think it's going to be that good, but I think it's going to serve a purpose for the most part that is good. And then there's going to be some some ways they they put it to, into work that's just like okay, this is ridiculous. We don't need VR right now. But those are the things that are going to be like most popular. Think about Pepsi Calendars. Those are the stupidest. Candy yeah. Crush. Yeah. Candy Crush virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> VR. Like Candy Crush the virtual, Sims reality. virtual reality, and then you're like the whole. That, that's like called craziness. real life. Well, that, that's like a really good, there's no doubt that that will happen. Like a Sims, because what was yeah. it like Second Life or Second Skin, which is like the original. Yeah. You know, I mean that blows up. People, you know, well, love to live. Have you guys have you guys read uh, Ready Player One? No. Yeah. Wait. Uh, no, I saw a documentary though similar to that though. Okay. So. So, first of all, you're all very poor technology science fiction people for not having read it. Second of all, you should read it. it. First of all, Steven Spielberg is turning into a movie um, that's coming out next year. Uh, but it's basically about, you know, a, essentially everybody sort of lives in a virtual reality world. And they do whatever they can to escape from their life by living this virtual mm -hmm. reality world. And they travel on planets and, and do different things. And it turns everything into a sort of a big game. Uh, it, it's a, it's kind of a fun, interesting book, and there's a lot of references to, you know, technology. Like, people play things as old as Pac-Man in it, and then much newer stuff. And it's very, you know, it, it's just a lot of fun sci-fi technology references. Reminds me a little bit of a book I'm reading right now, Reality is Broken, our last name, McGonagall. Um, but it's really interesting, like, just talking about how, like, video games rule everyone's life. Is it game McGonagall? Maybe. Is that the professor in Harry Potter? Because if so, <laughs> no, 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 no. She, she, she talked on Ted a few times. Probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, re really interesting how kind of video games dominate our life, and in not a bad way, but a good way. Uh, and it's just taking, like, I guess, gamification and game elements and mechanics and putting them to work. Not just, like, in a sales program or something yeah. like that, but, like, you know, using it to make change. So there's, like, a company called iWire, I believe, at MIT, where you actually map a neuron of the brain, and everyone works together to map these neurons, and it's, you know, game, but there's kids, the, the, the best person who does it is like a 14-year-old Russian kid, I believe. Oh, is that kind of like the game Fold-It? Yeah, Fold-It's yeah. another one, so using these, yeah. using games to solve real-world problems. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's the one where she, she, she had like a TBI injury or anything like that, and, and used it, made a game, get out of that. Possibly. Or or like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Super me or yeah, something like that. Something. It, was yeah. can, it was cancer or something. Dave and I are like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Dave, yeah. Dave and Ojala are so out of touch with gamification. <laughs> Jeez. I'm really uh, feeling like a Nojala right now. You are a Nojala. <laughs> I, I, did, I was checking on the price. It is $5.99 for the Oculus Rift. It's $7.99. Point Dave, zero <laughs> points Ojala. Uh, Sorry, I'll get them. They're, they're sitting at opposite ends of the table. But the, the face-off has begun. The uh, HTC Vive is $7.99. What about Samsung? Uh, I didn't bother looking up Samsung. <laughs> So I think a great application. What's a Samsung? What's that? <laughs> What's a Samsung? <laughs> but but I'm saying like Samsung is partnered with Facebook, right? So they're using their underlying technology, I assume. I thought Facebook owned the Oculus Rift. They do own Oculus Rift, but I thought they were putting the Oculus Rift platform on other like possible devices. Devices, yeah. yeah. I mean, why would Zuckerberg be at, like, the main stage of, like, Samsung? Should we yeah. do a VR? Should we do a VR event for, like, you know, our podcast? You can sit with us in the hot seat. Well, we actually have been thinking about that, is that we're going to do a stadium, right? It's going to be stadium seating, so we're going to be watching oh us in the God. middle. Yo, uh, the wow. pod wow. podcast in the round. Wait, let me check ticket sales. Oh, my God, it sold out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> So, Mike, you've been working on something new, uh, Elman Eden. Yes, sir. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Uh, so, uh, I've been working with Onieka and Vishal from A Happy Life, um, who own uh, uh, the Happiness Lab coffee shop down in New Haven. Um, so, really, what got us started is we recognize the problems, kind of like the barriers to entry for food startups. Like, if you want to start a food startup, you need a licensed kitchen and all the equipment, and that could be anywhere from, like, $30,000 in the low end to like, you know, averaging around $50,000. Um, so what we're doing is we're starting a uh, fully licensed commercial rental kitchen. So we can fit about 
30, 30 startups in there working on all different things. Uh, and you could pay monthly uh, to, to rent some space and, you know, make your dream a reality. Uh, but on top of that, we're putting together, you know, the, the resources that are necessary to actually like launch and scale your business. So, you know, getting access to, uh, you know, uh, marketing experts on how to, you know, brand and SEO and drive traffic and monetize sales to distribution experts, um, to the packagers that are necessary, eventually building up a Rolodex of investors once you get to a certain point. Uh, and really the game plan here is to like create the community, bring everything together and kind of like, you know, like I said, break down those barriers to entry and make it much easier to launch and scale a food startup. Um, so it's going to be located at 754 State Street, which is... Uh, New Haven. Yes, sir. Um, so, you know, work in progress. We're hoping to open doors May 1st, um, and applications are open. Elm and Eaton, E-L-M and E-A-T-O-N dot com. <laughs> what's, what's the story behind that? Elm and Eaton? Yeah. Ooh. So, oh, geez, Ojala, did they have to ask? That? <laughs> uh, well, so New Haven was, you know, they pioneered the the first tree planting program, and vast majority of those trees were elms. So New Haven's the elm city. Theophilus Eaton was actually one of the two dudes who came down and settled New Haven Colony. Um, so he came down in the 1600s, partnered up with the Native Americans, protected them from from some other tribes, ended up settling New Haven Colony. Uh, eventually, new, the city of New Haven, he became the first governor, and he remained uh, governor till the day he died. You do realize that everybody's going to think these are street names, and they're going to be looking for, like, the corner of Elm and Eden. That's honestly what I thought. I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's on the corner of Elm and Eden. I was, like, I was eating I'm like I'm eating some food. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 754 State Street. <laughs> yeah. I, have people, I have to tell you people it's on the, it's on the corner of Elm and Eden. Not well, they'll have to figure out the hard way. <laughs> well, you know what? Then they'll Google Elm and Eden New Haven, and it'll come up regardless. Um, so, you know, applications are open. Put it in. We've been having a, we had our first event down at the Happiness Lab last week people brought in some amazing food that they're working on everything from candy to sauces to uh cheese and it was all it was uh, awesome. ugly fruit there ugly fruit was in the house so ugly fruit is uh, a graduate of the yale entrepreneurship uh program or uh no they startup were startup weekend startup weekend that was it and i've seen that their products are available for sale at happy life yeah wow. so basically what it is is uh they take the unloved unwanted ugly fruit from farms and you know right now I think the focus is strictly on like applesauce, but they take the apples and they make some unbelievable applesauce out of it. Uh, There's another guy there that has a company called Second Chance Cider, and he does the same things with uh, with the apples as well. Right? Yeah, so awesome. definitely excited. So, uh, so speaking of poorly named ventures, uh, Ojala, you were telling us about a, a new venture capital event. <laughs> Putting me on the spot. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, I believe there is a new venture capital event called Venture Clash. Cue up the sound effects, please. <laughs> I feel like it should have like some lightsabers. Yeah. Yeah. That could really work. Yeah. I mean, it could be pretty I was cool. thinking Thunder. Thunder? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that Honestly, I just think about all the, the commercials on TV with Clash of the Clans. So this was on HB, in the HBJ, right? HBJ, the Hartford yeah. Business Journal. So uh, I believe it's back through Connecticut uh, Innovations, and it's uh, not sure the exact pot of money. I'm hearing it's like $2 million plus right now. Um, but the whole goal is to attract ventures from outside of the state, um, outside of the country. So it's a global competition. Have them come in. Um, I think they're still working on figuring out the, the model and structure on it in terms of is it you know, going through an, like kind of like an accelerator program or how is it going to work. Um, but I think the, the end goal is really to bring companies into Connecticut since the talk of town is all these companies are leaving Connecticut. So um, we, we got a few buildings to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to fill up. Just a couple. Well, so the question though is, besides the Thunderdome type name, um, is whether or not. Uh, I love this. Just the two ventures enter, one venture leaves. You know, uh, but but the uh, what the the question is is we should. Um, the, the question is though is the, then you get into the philosophical debate of is it better to try to bring companies in or to support the companies that we have here? Yeah, I mean it's that's it's the conversation all the time, right? It's where what's going to bring in, what's going to stabilize the Connecticut economy, what's going to bring more folks in through the door, what's going to keep our graduates staying in Connecticut. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's, it's tough because you see a lot of the younger generation getting more interested in 
working with startups, starting their own ventures, um, getting involved, sort of, uh, you know, ground level things versus going to work for a larger corporation. Um, but at the same time, if you're looking at a you know, sustainable lifestyle where you're not always hustling, then the larger corporations are giving you that st- uh, the stability. You've got, you know, a set paycheck that's coming in, you've got benefits. Um, and then you also have to take a look at Connecticut and, and the population that exists here. And it's not, you know, it's the under 30 age range is less of a population than the over 45 age range right now. And those are the folks that need jobs that are not really interested in working for startups. Um, you know, part of what we look at is how do we, how do we engage folks that are in uh, different careers at different corporations or looking at an exit strategy but want to stay involved, want to keep working. No one wants to retire at 65 anymore, either because it's not financially feasible or because at 65 you're still a pretty young person and you want to keep, you know, having fun and working and having something in life, especially if you're living to 100, 106, 110, all that crazy stuff. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, that's the average. <laughs> that's the average. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's, it's getting up there, you know. Yeah. And so, I'm so for a quarter. But but so it's it's really how do you reengage those folks um, into recognizing what's going on with some mm-hmm. of the some of the startups in, in town and some of the small businesses, um, some of the even second stage businesses. Um, so it's 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 interesting, you know. Will bringing larger companies from outside of the state or outside of the country do better things? I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't know too many examples in the rest of the country that have shown that, um, but I know that we're kind of getting tired of being just the insurance capital of the world, especially with Hartford, um, and you really got to think about what are the, some of the other industries that can help make sure that there's momentum and sustainability in the economy down the road. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough to say, is that really going to help? Um, I know, you know, what it won't do is necessarily provide the startups with the funding that they're looking for right now. Um, so we hear a lot of sort of pushbacks from them in terms of, well, you know, why are we bringing companies in from outside? There's so many great businesses here. How do we really get those off the ground? Why aren't we supporting them? Um, and that that's understandable. But, you know, again, I think, and this is something that we're doing with our accelerator program right now is... Um, wow, what a plug. What a plug, right? Was- uh, what a nice transition. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we, it's, investment is obviously very important. Getting ready for investment is very important. But um, our accelerator program is really designed around customer acquisition. Um, and the whole point is if you don't have paying customers um, that are willing to purchase your product or service, how are you going to be sustainable in the market? You know, you need to grow that customer base to make sure that you're generating some revenue that you've got something in play before you even go seeking investment. Um, I think a lot of startups enter the game thinking, I'm going to launch the next great idea, product, or service, and I'm just going to get a shit ton of investment for it, and then that's it, I'm good, I'm out the door, I'm going to be selling, and it's not really going to always work that way, and very rarely does it work that way. Um, so I think it's important to say, you know, let's, let's look at how we can, encouraging the startups to look at how they can create sustainability for themselves to a certain extent, before they start fussing over, I'm not getting, you know, kind of investment and it's going to all these other companies or larger companies or whatever it might be. You know, something that startups need to think about, especially in Connecticut where equity investment is, is kind of light, is there are good options for debt investment out mm-hmm. there. Um, I gave a presentation last night at uh, on licensing at the Community and Economic Development Fund. So in Connecticut, as in many other states, uh, banks are required to... Uh, donate so give so much money to people who'd otherwise be unbankable, um, and and make it out. You know, and, and one of the ways they do that is they provide money to uh, organizations like the CEDF, who then reloans it to companies that otherwise may not be qualified for a bank loan, but have something to sell. That you can't have an idea on paper, but if you have a product you can get out there, um, then they can provide uh, some level of funding. Um, you know, they go through the and their whole goal. They actually. They provide the funding, and and I was looking at some stats that were posted up on their wall, and it showed that as two years ago they had something like forty million dollars in in funds, and and a lot of that is still available, um, and and I think that they're not well known enough. But if you 
if you actually get into their program and you receive a loan, they also give you a business advisor. So someone's actually working with you to help make that loan pay off, which I think is a which is the right way to do it, right? It's it's not like your credit is great and then we're going to give you a loan and then you better hope to pay us back like a right. traditional bank would be. It's it's we're working with you. We're we're a partner in the process. Um, and then they and, and then you know and then they host educational events like the one that I was at last night. Um, and it's very. I think it's very good for business owners, and it's a very good resource. And so sometimes nobody wants to take on debt, and I fully understand that. I I don't like taking on debt, but sometimes it can be the right path. And one of the things you just have to find, mostly people look for uh, smart equity, right? They're trying to find somebody that's just paying more than equity that they're providing something else with it. You can find smart debt, um, and and if you have, you know, if you're ready to go to that next step, uh, it can be a great way to get there. And you also, you, and by going debt, you have the alternate route of you're not giving up any ownership in your company. Um, so if you're, in, you know, whereas equity investment, you theoretically don't have to pay it back. Trust me, equity investors, other than friends or family, are looking for a return. So, so then they're gonna they're gonna reorganize whatever it is they need to do to get that return. And they have uh, a little bit more say in where, where things go. Exactly. They know the, the, the little nudges here and there. It, that's exactly it. Um, and so. You, you know, organizations like the CEDF uh, are important. And actually, if anybody's uh, available, I believe, I think it's on March, I want to say 15th and 16th. Uh, the 15th, I think we're at the Grove in New Haven, uh, and the 16th we're at Reset uh, in Hartford. And the, the, our business, the Martha Klein of Business Lunch Series, which is free to anybody who wants to attend, our topic this month is actually having representatives from the DECD and from the CEDF there to talk about what kind of options they offer for companies. So you're interested in financing, great way to learn a lot more um, about CDF some loans. Is that American, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's uh, they'll talk about loans and, and some grant opportunities as well. So, so Doug, do you think it, when it comes to like the state, right, is it is it because when it comes to startups and obviously more money kind of going to these larger you know, organizations or at least enticing them to come in, right? Is it still because we don't have any of these like runaway successes in Connecticut? From the startup kind of community. No, I think it's all about job creation. Um, you know, if you if you got a large enough company that's able to bang out 100 jobs, 200 jobs, 500 jobs, I mean that that's a big difference than a startup that's able to promise five to ten jobs. Um, and that that is you know unemployment rate that's sort of always on the top of the mind. Um, maybe at state level, maybe at the at the city level. Um, and I, I think that's what really drives it. I mean, you know, the, the biggest fuss over GE leaving was, what about all these jobs in Connecticut that now right. are going to be gone? Um, and I think that's, you know, we see that consistently, um, regardless of it being the state or it being any type of grant that you're applying for, um, both as a private company or as a nonprofit, like job creation is very big. Um, and it's, you know, you, you hear arguments on both sides in terms of is that the, the main metric that everyone should be focused on um, or is there more to it? And I think, unfortunately, we're still at a place here in Connecticut where it, it's hard to say that that can't be the main focus. Um, I think we stepped away from, you know, we need to create lots and lots of jobs, then it'd be a little bit of a different playing field. Well, um, it's a good political metric as well. Absolutely. And that drives everything, you know? CI um, yeah, is quasi-public, so it's, it's not just to say, I mean, there's a private-ish piece to it too, but you're, you're really looking at what are the right political moves to make um, with all these things. Yeah, and I guess it also, I'm just thinking about, you know, people coming to college with that, and, and then people over 45, like, two different types of jobs they're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of the jobs, I mean, a lot of these bigger companies aren't even going after the people coming out of college necessarily. They're trying to go after the, the execs or the people that are kind of have more experience, but... It, I disagree with that. Yeah. I think they're they're trying to pull in more of the, you know, recent college grads because they realize that if they keep going for the higher-ups, the execs, the people, you know, over 40, um, there's, there's a little bit of a lack of innovation. Hey, um, hey, hey, hey. Let me explain. You're over 40. It's, it's, you know, I yes, think I'm over 40. Really? <laughs> I know this is a radio show. I thought you were just face. about hitting 30. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you look great then. Hey, 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 Mike, how's your heart rate doing? <laughs> See how I did so well. Now that I know. Hey. I, 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 I was going to say, if we can't get you over 200 during this, uh, during, during this podcast, I'm going to be severely disappointed. Um, you know, I forgot what I was saying. 
Uh, lack of innovation. You, lack of innovation. So yes. You know, you, 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 <laughs> Thanks. No problem. Recent college grads are coming out um, with <clears throat> education systems are changing slightly, very slowly, um, but they are. There's more happening to encourage innovation, to think outside of the box. Um, and when you look at folks that have been in their careers for 10, 15 years, they're used to doing things the way that they've been doing for the last 10, 15 years. They're not thinking outside of the box. They're not... Rare occasions they are, like Dave, but it's uh, it's it's nice. tough, and 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 so you want sort of fresh ideas coming in through the door. You want folks that are willing to um, get more creative, to you know tackle problems in a different way. Um, that's not the traditional approach, um, and you also want younger folks that are willing to work for less and work more for less. So I think that you know it's not that the larger companies are only attracting um, a sort of older range of um, employees, I think it's actually the other way around. I think it's the recent college grads are not attracted as much to working for those companies. Yeah, and, and I guess maybe that's where I was going is because I feel like a lot of younger people, I mean, me included, is that I, I didn't want to stay in one thing too long. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, I, if I'm working for somebody, it's, you know, I'm getting something out of that employment and then going on. I mean, obviously, I, for me, I worked for a company for three years and I went and started something. So it was a little different, but... I don't think, I mean, there's there's definitely stats out there that show, you're, you know, recent, recent college grads are only in a job for, what, two to three years, if that, yep. before they move on. Um, I've seen definitely a lot of articles where a lot of these individuals are looking maybe even after a year or a year and a half. I mean, they get into one job, get it for the money, and then they're already starting to look for another job kind of a thing. And so it, it, that's not, a, for a bigger company, I mean, the whole hiring thing. We had, we had voice notes on last time, right? Yeah. So he was talking about the, the hiring process. So, I mean, that turnover... I mean, for younger people, I mean, for these um, bigger companies, that turnover is just too costly. It is costly, and so they're now looking, you know, they're beginning to implement um, different ways of keeping those younger folks around. So you look at places like Aetna, Prudential, um, they'll offer you, they'll cover the cost of your master's degree, right? But then you have to sign your life away to them for five years or so. But it's working because kids are like, yo, I don't want to more. I don't want more student debt. I don't want to have to worry about those things. So this is great. I'm working. I'm making money, and my education is being paid for. Like, what else do you want? You know? Yeah. So it's it's they're they're, they're trying to. I mean, even when you look at um, you know companies outside of Connecticut that are successful that have the super cool company cultures and whatnot. The slides Google, in the Facebook, office. The slides in the office. Well, what are they offering? They're, you know, what are they doing to attract the best of the best younger talent graduating out of colleges and universities? They're offering really cool, what you would call benefits. Um, you know, having a day a week to work on your own project. That's, you know, at Google engineers are working on their own side project at least for eight hours a week. And that's awesome. Um, you know, they're, they've, they've got a lot of perks, a lot of benefits. And I think that's what, you know, that's what you have to do to remain competitive as a large employer. And as an entrepreneur and as somebody trying to hire, you got to provide those perks. You got yeah, <laughs> yeah, to provide that opportunity. I think you know? for, 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 from the entrepreneurial perspective, um, you know, smaller organizations, companies, um, startup businesses, it's, it's really more about the, the journey. And that sounds like such a cliche, but it's true. I mean, you know, I, when I started working with Reset, there was three of us. Now there's almost 10 of us. Um, and I have learned so much within, you know, almost been there almost four years, um, but it's it's the, the journey which is amazing. I would never get that experience if I was working in just a larger company or whatever it might be. And I look at the entrepreneurial ventures that we've got um, going through our accelerator program or in the co-working space, and you ask them, you know, why are you doing this? Why would you leave a job that's paying you six figures to start up your own business? Um, and it's really about what are you getting out of it? What's that like? That sense of gratitude, that sense of like, man, I'm like accomplishing something. Like I'm getting something done. Getting shit done, like that's what it's all about. Well, People are driven to do that. And talking to entrepreneurs a, a lot, uh, I, I definitely th- there's definitely a change in in the culture of, of creating a company, right? It, it's I, I tell people these days, companies are more about an expression of the founders' visions and goals than they used to be, right? Before it was, I'm going to create a company, and I'm going to this company is going to have a project, and then it's going to go out and sell yeah. whatever the result of that project is. <clears throat> but now. It, a lot of it is, I want this company to be a personal expression of whatever it is I believe in. In, a, in addition to having a project and, and producing a product. And it's not like a social entrepreneur there, Dave. 
<laughs> but I, I, I might have bet one or two. Um, and uh, it actually, it was interesting. So I was on a panel with Kate Emery, mm -hmm. the founder of Reset and the Social Enterprise Trust, um, at the UConn Graduate School of Business um, a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, it, and all the people there were people who had left these six-figure jobs and were looking to start their own business and wanted to get a degree in the process. And they they seemed to fully understand this concept. I mean, it was it was clear to them. They said, "Yeah, I want. I not only want to work for myself, but I want to see something in the process, yeah. and and have people understand that." And and the the benefit corporation as a as an entity type is a direct result of that. Absolutely. So yeah, and I think, I mean, mm -hmm. coming from you know being an entrepreneur and kind of having a business, it's like getting a job is always an easy fallback. <laughs> you, you know, you know, it's it's a, one of those things where it's like, uh, if I, you know, if everything goes down in, in ruins and it doesn't go anywhere, and you, you have to pack up and you have to say, you know, I, I got to get a job. Um, going to those those employers and telling them about those experiences, telling them about the, the things that you learned and, and what you did. I mean, I don't have an MBA, but I have a personal MBA. You know, I have something where I've gone through gone through the ringer. Um, and so that's you know what it, what I want to say is that when it comes to master's degrees and, and everything like that, like an MBA. Is it worth the ROI right now? For for uh, uh, from like, what I hear, no. no I've talked yeah, to a lot of successful business yeah. folks, and they they told me no. Yeah. You know, I was actually in a situation where I was going to use some money I made off my first startup to actually get my MBA, and I was talking to a few very successful um, CEOs of some bigger companies, and they all told me, "Hell no, put it back into another venture. You'll learn a whole <laughs> lot more." And I mean, it was immediate. I mean, it was and unanimous across the board. Every single one said the same thing. So. Uh, yeah, I think you're going to learn a whole lot more that's applicable to uh, a much broader spectrum, too, because every day you're new challenges. Oh, now you've got an MBA in life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess, it, it, you know, from, from my perspective, is that I almost kind of wish I, it's kind of weird, but I almost wish I went to school for not business. Right. You know, right. to get more of like a technical degree or something, yep. sort, because then a master's in that is completely different than a master's in business. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, business is one of those ones where it's like, it's easy, but yet very hard. Right. Like, you know, it, it's very easy to get that knowledge and to understand everything, but then to, you, it's really in the practice where you actually learn the stuff, right? But that, that, that's across the board, even if you have a technical degree, too. Yeah. You, know, you, you look at um, just look at the computer sciences field, right? So if you're going, um, right now we're working with uh, an organization called Independent Software. Some of you guys might know Derek yeah, Koch. A100. Yeah. A100, the apprenticeship program. Um, and what they do is they uh, recruit college students, pair them up with businesses in the local areas, um, and get them to actually apply some of the skills that they're learning in school. And the reality is when a lot of these kids graduate with a computer science degree, they go into the real world and you know, someone's like, okay, I need you to create a, you know, um, I don't know, design of a mobile software for this service that we're offering. Um, it's really different in real life than it is, you know, reading textbooks and working on it um, in a classroom. And I think that's why the A100 program is awesome because it's applying those real life skills. Um, and you see, you know, a lot of bright students graduating with great degrees, with great, um, you know, grades, but they don't have a real life skills. So employers are like, well, you can't really do what we need to do. And on the other hand, you've got someone that, it's not a computer science major, might not even have a associate's or bachelor's degree, but because they've been doing this on their own and developing yeah. these things out, they're blowing up. But there's also that, that IQ versus EQ kind of a thing, right? Because, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people, and I, I guess that's maybe another thing, too, is that maybe there's, you know, not enough EQ out there. I mean, yeah. you know, there's, I mean, I was listening to a podcast, uh, Tim Ferriss, he, he, have you guys seen the, the, uh, the show Scorpion? Or heard the, the I, I, I saw. I I've saw, heard of it. I yeah. saw Tim Ferriss's email. Yeah. About yeah. So, so, so the, the guy that he yeah, I was listening to his podcast um, is the guy that it's based upon. This guy who he has 196, you know, IQ, and he basically talks about how like there's all these geni there's a bunch of genius out there, but they just don't have EQ. They don't know how to deal with people, and so that, yeah. the fact that they don't know how to deal with people makes them like almost useless. Right. You know, to to a lot of. Um, you know, people. Vaynerchuk, Gary Vaynerchuk was just talking. I was listening to something he said, and he was talking about what's more important, IQ versus EQ. He's like, you know, you need you need them both. He's like, for me, I don't have a high IQ. He's yeah. like, but I'm all <laughs> EQ, and that's what I use. And, like, that's why he's so successful. So yeah. it's just interesting perspective. So speaking of interesting topics, I'm kind of curious to hear your opinions on the whole Apple versus the FBI mm. matter. 
Um, so for those people who don't know, uh, there was the shooting in California uh, earlier this year, um, and they found the uh, cell phone of one of the terrorists who, who conducted the shooting, and uh, it's locked out. There's security code. The FBI can't break the security. At least they claim they can't. Um, and they're telling Apple that Apple needs to write a program that will break the security on Apple's products. Because um, they're saying that they can only enter in 10 at a time, and then it goes blank, and yeah. start over yeah, again, so it's like, that. yeah. So, it, uh, you know, I mean, this this raises a number of, of issues, security issues, as well as, you know, can you force a private company to write a program? Um, and Donald Trump says you can. <laughs> <laughs> Lot, Trump man. says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and then, you know, do we want the government to have access to these? Do we want the government to have the ability to tell companies that they need to jailbreak these things? I mean, I, I saw a good, cur- um, you know, uh, cartoon that was saying, you know, the Apple phone and there's the back door to it. So you see Apple going into it with the FBI right behind them and the right behind the FBI is like hackers. Right behind the ha- hackers is like, right. you know, the, the, the regimes that, you know, mm-hmm. oppress people. And so it's it's that kind of a yeah. snowball. It's yeah. if, right? if you do it once, you're going to have to do it again and again. And uh, it's a precedent. It's a whole legal. I mean, yes, a, a legal precedent. Right? Well, it is, and 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 that's what exactly what Apple's saying. And a lot of people are siding with Apple. And but I just saw that Bill Gates came out this morning yesterday and said, you know, that he sides with the FBI. And it's very. I just find it fascinating um, in the sense that a we have a corporation that's openly defying a legal order and then your question is well is it a legal order and uh and then and then what's this going to mean going forward because you're right if if apple does open up the phone and if anybody were to open up their products that allows an unbelievable amount of surveillance and spying right apple facebook google right they're all saying no and you know one of the huge emphasis is is upon uh health records you know so much health data personal health data is on your phone and if that gets into the wrong hands or your watch, as the case may be. Yeah, yeah I, my I, elevated heart rate. I, I think it's it's been. Um, I think that the conversation around it has been blurred, or it's been made murky on both ends. Um, I, I think I don't even know if it's as much legal precedence because at the end of the day, I think if the government wants something, they're gonna. They probably already have it. it. They just need to make the legal argument. Right. I, I, I think I think it's, it's more like, so about you know initially they had wanted Apple to create a backdoor um, in their next software update. So yep. that, that backdoor would be pushed out to all yeah. phones, not just that one phone, meaning mm. if the backdoor is there, anyone can get through it. Um, the last I heard, I think it was two days ago, where um, the judge was looking to rule in favor of creating, you know, they create that software, they only install it on that phone, and then they take it off as soon as the information that they need is um, taken. Well, so, so the, But again, it's still like a legal president saying that any like all my electronics is... The government has access to them, basically, right? If, like if, if they, I if did they something, need, if, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think I mean, there's anything wrong with that. I, I do think you know, sending out a software update to everyone's phone that creates a bad. Yes, that's a definitely that's problem. An issue, yeah, yeah. You know, but setting a legal problem. I mean, you want to be well. The, the question there, the legal issue there, is warrantless search and seizure, right? Right. And here, you presume they'd have a warrant to search the phone, and and yeah, certainly probable cause, oh, and yeah. yeah so. Um, that doesn't seem like it would be a big issue, but you wouldn't want any, any police station to be able to go to Apple and say, Hey, here's a phone, please jailbreak it. Well, that's, uh, that's what's, I'm, I'm on tech meme and they have an article from wall street journal and right now it's the number one article from today. Justice department seeks to force Apple to extract data from about 12 other phones now. Huh? iPhones in particular. I mean, yeah, I could, I could just see is that once they do it, they're like, yeah. sweet, we have this whole yeah. list of people that we Why want wouldn't they? If they're able yeah. to use this, find this evidence that could help them, you know, prove a case, of course they're going to use it. And of course they're going to push for it. But I feel like they get, like they get that, I mean, when the whole NSA thing came out with, with Edward Snowden, I mean, there was, there was documents that showed like the, the DEA got this information and then basically gave it to local, uh, um, law enforcement to say, okay, do these steps to get this information now. Like, yeah. We know that it's there, but then yeah, let's, here's reverse engineering. Let's make it, yeah. let's make it legal. Like you, you <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I, it's kind of scary that I, I admit to this, but I just feel like, you know, there are people out there that can get my information regardless. It doesn't matter. Like there's, there's people out there, hackers, government, whatever, if they want it. If I was that high profile, maybe I'd feel a little, you know, cool about myself, but at the same time, like if they want it, they can get it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just kind of, uh, I don't know, ignorant or whatever, but I've, uh, it, they're out there. 
I mean, these, well, these hackers. I mean, are they out just there. held what was it? The hospital in California they held the records at ransom, the, the electronic health records for like seventeen thousand. Yes, or I saw that. Or so it was seventeen. They, so <laughs> they, you know, the, uh, there are certain programs that once they get into your system, they lock up your computer and they don't unlock until you send it, you deliver money to an account, and then they send you a code to unlock it. Yeah, and if you don't pay, then they delete everything. Or yeah. threaten to sell it. So, so, so are those like hacker. I mean, yeah, hackers. hackers. Yep. Yeah, but the thing is, the, the way they distribute the software, they may not actually hack into the system. It could be just attached as a worm to another piece of software. They may, and it could affect anybody's computer. Yeah. Um, and but in this case, it actually got into a hospital system, and the hospital had to pay seventeen thousand dollars, and they didn't really have a choice because there's nothing law enforcement could do quick enough. Well, it's more just like I'm, we're going to pay just so we don't have to deal with this issue. Like, yeah, it's, you know, it's like it's going to be more of a hassle if we don't. Pay. Oh, and I mean, say, and, and talk about the time-consuming aspect of it yeah. to to try to fight it, track and, it down, and then and and if they lost those medical records, if they're all deleted, they'd screwed. be subject to so many oh, other without a doubt. Yeah, and it's it's always kind of interesting, like these these big tech companies. I mean, I, I feel like they have like they obviously have an interest in working with the U.S. government on on a lot of stuff. Um, but then they're they're always like fighting them on the other side. It's always like they're working with them, but then fighting them, and it's it's always like a back and forth until somebody has you know the one up on them. Mm. Battle uh, of the Titans or Adventure yeah. Clash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Clash of Adventures. Yeah, yeah. Adventure Clash. But hey, I have an iPhone, so I'm happy that they didn't they didn't necessarily go that. Why you go with Samsung? <clears throat> Why you don't think Samsung would open that door? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was crazy. I was uh, I was down in um, in Sonia meeting with uh, um, this girl, and she was saying how she was on her phone talking about a product with a, one of her friends. And after she got off the phone, she was on Facebook a little while later, and that product was showing up. And she never put it on the Facebook, never nothing. It was something new, and she was just she was like, it was just the freakiest thing. Like after I had a phone call with somebody. There was ads popping up in all my social media sites, and it, she, it was just she like, had to have searched it or something. She she was saying, and she said to something with uh, again, I don't. Let me ask a question. Do you guys read all like the uh, the uh, user agreements for all these apps? No, I mean, do <laughs> I read? The no, I have Dave, I have Dave read them for me. <laughs> Every time I download an app, I go Dave. Read yeah. over this EULA uh, for me. Yeah, send it back to me. And, and then let's send it back to the app company yeah, and see if they'll change it. Right? Uh, I feel like there definitely is stuff in there. I oh, mean, there, oh, there's, there's. I mean, yeah. it just goes yeah. back to the South Park episode where you know. Have you ever? Oh, I'm sorry. I was no, no, just, saying South Park episode where he turns into a, a centipede. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I mean, but if you ever look at the Apple agreements, if you ever tried to print them out, it's like 50 pages. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't have enough ink in my <laughs> I don't have a printer. It's, Actually, I don't have a printer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there, there, there's a lot of terms in there. There's a, there's a lot that people sign away to, and they don't they they're not in a lever, they're not in a position where they have any leverage. It's yeah. you know um, in, in law we call it a you know sort of a contract of adhesion where you're sort of forced to take it, um, and uh, you know and and the, all the lawyers I know nobody reads these things because the fact is I'm not giving back my iPhone. So, yeah, and, and that's the choice. Fighting it, right? Yeah. <laughs> For one little thing. Um, and, and, it, and the sacrifice we make is, is less security about our information, less privacy. Um, and, you know, I think as a society, we've sort of made the judgment that we're willing to do that. Uh, it's, it, it always, frankly, it always disturbs me a little bit. That might be because I'm over 40. Uh, and <laughs> I have a, you know, maybe I have a perspective of another generation, but I, I, I don't on. like the idea of giving up rights. Uh, but at the same time, I recognize that I do it just as much as anybody. That if I want the latest tech gadget, I'll, I'll sign away my firstborn child, uh, <laughs> you know, for, to get a hold of that gadget. So. Yeah, I feel like we're, I kind of feel like the, the three of us, not, not Dave, but, um, we're <laughs> kind of in the middle. We're, we're kind of in the middle where it's like we grew up where or it's like the kids, Younger than us now are just like whatever, just take it. You know, oh, it is what it is. And the people above us are like, still, oh my god, I yeah. can't believe they have you know my street address. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, I guess you can have that, but we want that. Yeah, yeah exactly. right. Yeah. Maybe we don't we'll need this, but yeah. 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 Oh, the the younger generation is crazy. I've got a younger eleven year old sister, and is that no gel? That is no gel. <laughs> no, her name is Aruj, so uh, another strong name. But uh, she's. You know, she's just like all over. She's got an iPad, an iPhone, and she's like, oh, yeah, this app's great. I'm like, what are you doing? You can't use that. Like, that's, 
She's posted her social security number on each of these. I tell my parents, I'm like, never tell her her social security number. (laughs) But it's just, you know, it's like, well, everyone else is doing it. So, like, I need to, like, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter. And it's, and they're so young that they don't know what is, you know, they can't make the full decision on what is okay to say and post and what isn't. And it's such a scary world. I mean, I don't know. People that are having kids right now that got, like, you know, preteens, I don't know how they do it. That's What's the age that kids are getting smartphones now? Like oh, I mean, seven, five up. Yeah, five, six, six up. seven. Jesus. Well, they make smartphones that are, like, made for kids, so. Yeah. I guess that makes sense, because they have smartphones that are made for, like, older people like Dave, which are jitterbugs. <laughs> oh, man. Stop making fun of my flip phone. <laughs> hey, Can I, you get my emails on that, Dave? <laughs> what's I, what's I, an email? Flip phone. So, speaking of apps, I uh, downloaded a new app yesterday that I've really liked called Quartz with a Q. Oh, and I've heard of that. it's been blowing up, uh, and I guess a lot of people, actually I read an article that people are flocking from Facebook and Twitter to Quartz. I don't understand that yet, but uh, it's a news app, and it's literally, it texts you the news, kind of, like a, like a text conversation. So right now it's, you know, uh, the first one was actually about, um, it says, good morning, taking sides in the iPhone encryption debate, Bill Gates for the FBI. Black Lives Matter for Apple, and it says, tell me more, or I'm not interested. So I said, tell me more, reads a little more to me. Next article is, recreational marijuana has been legal for more than a year in Colorado. And then it basically, you know, gives you some sort of herbal plant at the bottom, or the word next. So if you hit the the plant, it tells you more about that article, so on and so forth. Uh, But it's just really interesting. Uh, And Hmm. for Dave... Oh, man. The new Mini Cooper Club, the new Mini Clubman is the uh, sponsor. Well, well, so now Mini's you have a sponsor. To I got to join it. Yeah. Well, I like I like getting tech, uh, text of just the headlines, so I don't have to read the article. I can just go spitting off all this knowledge that I know. Oh yeah, Bill Gates is taking the side of the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a, it's a really interesting app. I'm only 24 hours into playing around with it, and it doesn't bother you too much. It, it pings you and alerts you when some new articles come in. Usually, it's about in the morning, afternoon, and night. And you could learn more or just ignore it and go on to the next topic. I mean, isn't everybody flocking away from uh, Twitter? Isn't Twitter just about to spiral down? I am. I haven't used Twitter in a long time. Certainly our podcast account is. (laughs) It's sold out. (laughs) It's sold out. Join a waiting list between access. You can sell out. Make your Twitter account private and you have to pay to see the tweets. Wow. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's it. That's That's an exclusive Twitter feed so you have to pay to get. It's, It's unfortunate you said that well, I was going to say on a live podcast, but of course we're not live, so nobody's going to hear it. <laughs> or everyone who just follows you screenshots it and then posts it on their own feed. <laughs> True. 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 You can still, I'm sure you could put some sort of agreement in, right, Dave? Right, Dave. Oh, of course you could. It's an exchange of funds, absolutely. You love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's an interesting app. I, I Again, I always fear about my level of addiction. Like, like I'm just I, if I had that on the phone, I'd be checking my phone even more but often. It, so it pings bad. you and tells you when you're talking about the the quartz. Yeah, it, that's what I was afraid of. But uh, no, it, it's you know I actually it pings you, lets you know when new articles are up there, and there's only like three in the morning, three in the afternoon, three at night. But they're it's pretty interesting. Okay, uh, I, you know what? I'll try it, and then on the next podcast, I'll tell you what level of asshole you are. <laughs> yeah, so I just got one right here. Let's see. Obama proposes fulfilling a lingering campaign promise to finally close the Guantanamo Detention Center. Okay. There, there's worse apps out <laughs> I there. Could, I, I could ask for more <laughs> if I wanted to. There are worse apps out there to be addicted to. Someone, a friend of mine, sent this like link over to me with a screenshot. This app, which is like blowing up right now. It's like the next Candy Crush. But all it is is you. it's your backyard, and you put food out, and then kittens come out to play. Uh, and then you just check your phone. So, oh, like, boy. think Tamagotchis, but, like, on a meets phone. Meets, like, like, Farmville meets, uh, like, but, cat But people. there's nothing you do. You just put... <laughs> yeah. You Seriously, just, cat you literally people. just put food and toys out, and then you check your phone every, like, half hour to see if there's cats coming to play and stuff. That's disgusting. And it's, like, blowing up right now. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. Right. So, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. So, Dave, there are worse things to be addicted to. The, that fa- fair, makes me fair mad enough. A little bit for I, some reason. I, I'd rather I think people. My heart rate's going up. My heart rate's like, going up. Whoever made that is making bajillions right now just because you can look at cats. I would. Uh, first, first, Cartoon cats. 
I, I was going to say, first of all, I, I think one of the people we had in the podcast had a cat app, right? Do we have Netta on the podcast? Not yet. No, I haven't okay. had one yet. Okay, so, uh, but one, so one, one of the people that uh, we know have a... Uh, are you now concerned that we did have a podcast? <laughs> oh. Did we did? I don't know. I, we'll, we'll check those records. Wait. Did we? <laughs> Yeah, but, he, the but his was like, yeah, his was the cat competition where, where you can post pictures of different yeah, animals yeah. and the cuter wins and then you can win money at the end of the month. It's a like photo contest. <laughs> yeah, no, right. <laughs> yeah, I remember this. <laughs> yeah, we definitely, I definitely remember it. Any, yeah. Anyways, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the appeal of animals is definitely out there. But I'd much rather people be addicted to knowledge than feeding imaginary cats. Yeah. I feel like the 90s pet, people were like loving ferrets. Do people still have ferrets? I had two ferrets. <laughs> Save when? <laughs> Rosie in the 90s. In the 90s. Oh, yeah. Well, well, well first ferret. of all, Rosie found a ferret. Found a ferret. <laughs> in the garbage. Sounds accurate. And took him home? Yeah. And, 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 yeah you and, don't know about her Her ferret has cost her more than any of her yeah. pets. Yeah. And like she. Because it's like yeah. always sick, so she always has yeah. to be yeah. yeah. like that. And she like found it and brought it home and like nursed it back. It's, it's named Rutabaga. I've got pictures. They're slinky rats, though. I thought they were illegal in some states. They are. Not in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I, I probably shouldn't have said if they are. No, 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 and so uh, one day, my, my grandma picks me up for my uh, my birthday, and uh, she takes my, me and my sister out, she buys us some stuff and everything, and we end up in, like, a Petco. And she's like, oh, like, and she's the type where she's like, oh, yeah, like, the weirder the animal, the better, right? And so we saw these ferrets, she's like, oh, yeah, I'll buy it for you, buys the whole kit, right? The whole everything, the cage, and this Were they that. all in, the, like, the hammocks, too? And oh, yeah, I mean, Petco? everything, yeah. yeah. And so my parents come home later that day. To me, having a, a cage with a ferret, this oh, freaking God. little, this little rat, basically. Slinky and rat. Uh, I would say within two days, it got lost in the walls, and it was just like, wow. you know, oh yeah, it was just all over the so place. So technically, you still may have a ferret. <laughs> no, 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 no. Once we got it out of the wall, um, it was it was pretty pretty easy to convince my parents that if I gave up the ferret, we would get a dog. So, wow. um, so oh. it worked. It actually worked. And my, my grandmother took the ferret and she got another ferret to that, make it, you know. Nice way to trade one life for another. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like a gateway drug yeah. to get to the dog. You yeah. need the ferret. You got to suffer through the ferret to get the dog. Okay. And so, so on the, the, uh, the, you know, the whole game of having these cats there. So one thing with virtual reality that I'm also kind of scared oh, about too is the fact that, um, so, you know, little, little stories that one of our, our clients for, for Fresh, um, there's one person that, that has to manage one of the systems, right? And she kind of over, or she's the, the day-to-day kind of systems of the program and the, and the system. And um, I always catch her on Farmville. <laughs> <laughs> on Farmville, like, doing her farm when she literally has a system and a farm, farm right in front of her. It's always like one of those things where, uh... You want to plant this instead of that? I guess that, I mean, that's, that's, that's passion, yeah, right? That's yeah. Like, I don't real know. Life, it's just, not it's real just, life, it's, it's, Yeah, it's just one of those things. Every living moment like, she's farming. I mean, that's it is, but, but her the one in virtual reality is doing way better. It's like one of those things where like people are going to be like rock stars in their virtual reality. Well, here you go. Right? That's where gamification comes in. Give her a point system for every plant she grows on one of your oh, okay. systems. Yeah, okay. A gold star or... Hey, if she does really good, buy her a ferret. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty sure she might have one. I'm not, I'm not, not even joking. That would I make sense. That would make sense. <laughs> okay, I, th- I think we've, uh, once we've gotten to ferrets, I think we start running out of topics. Um, so, uh, uh, tune into our other podcast, uh, Ferret Life. <laughs> 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 oh, wait, this coming in now, it's sold out. <laughs> it's sold out. <laughs> Sorry to drive demand, guys. We're driving demand. Yeah. Eric, if people want to find us, where can they do so? Uh, they can do it at ctstartup.com. Uh, that's where all of our uh, our blogs and uh, podcasts are. You can get those. That's through SoundCloud. Also on iTunes and Stitcher. And actually, guys, have you guys ever used Overcast? I use it every day. You like it better? I love it. Is that right. a weather app? 
Noun. <laughs> I was gonna oh, say I've never heard of it. Oh, boom! <laughs> <laughs> it's a little overcast today. Um, all right, yeah, and I think we got to get on overcast because I've been uh, hearing too much about it and how how it's good. Um, and then uh, on Facebook, Twitter, it's on overcast. It is on overcast. Yep. So it automatically goes there. I don't you better believe it. Sweet. So then go That's on great. the podcast, too. And if you like the podcast, leave us feedback as well as tell people about it. Uh, help expand our listenership. We'd love to uh, get more people on uh, and expand the capabilities of the podcast. So that would be fantastic. That's going to cut it for us today. Uh, Ojala, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. And uh, if people want to reach you or Reset, where, where can they do that? You can go to Reset. Co.org. We have recently shortened our URL to make it easier for you guys. Uh, You can find us on Twitter, Sochant Trust. Um, But yeah, check out the website. We've got some good things planned for the next few months, so again. You sure you don't want to hand out your uh, direct line phone number? My direct line phone number. Mm. No, uh, (laughs) no, if you want to shoot me an email, onaim, O-N-A-E-E-M at resetco.org. And what's your social? (laughs) I was going to say, I think she almost answered. But uh, Okay, well, thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, we're out. You've just listened to the CT Startup Podcast. You can find us on iTunes or check out our webpage at ctstartup.com where you can find all our social media links. And please, please leave us your feedback. Special thanks to our production team, Kate Rupart, Dylan Gilliatt, and Kevin Dobis, as well as our equipment and marketing sponsor, Martha Kalina, LLP.